Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm going to be taking you solo through... I think I'm going to be calling this Failures of the Major Animation Networks. Um, so I'm going to be talking about Nick, Cartoon Network, and Disney, and kind of how they've been consistently uh, not airing their kind of shows with large followings uh, in uh, an optimal way for their older audiences. So when I say failures, I don't necessarily mean an objective failure. I mean, uh, for fans of the shows, these networks have kind of been consistently failing uh, their fans. And it's, uh, I thought it was Nick at first when uh, we did a podcast for, we were just podcasting on Legend of Korra, and it seems like, okay, Nick's just awful in here, but no, it seems like it's all of them. And uh, I'm going to talk about, you know, what's, how they're doing that, uh, like, why they might be making these decisions. Um, of note, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be approaching this, yes, from a fan perspective, but also I'm going to try to objectively analyze why they're doing this. Just because it pisses off fans is not necessarily an, a mistake, you know? It's not just that they're a dumb corporation, or they're, they're just, they're incompetent and they don't know what air their shows once a week. Uh, these are very short-sighted and kind of unintelligent responses to these, the networks. Uh, they have reasons for doing what they do, and I might, I'm going to get into that. Um, the reasons might not always be to make you happy. That's, that's basically what I'm saying, or make me happy, right? So I'm going to say, uh, why are they not, how are they doing things not in a way for, uh, their fans optimally, and also how are, uh, how are they, um, like, and are these even, like, sound business decisions, to the best that I'm able to analyze that, you know? So, uh, and I'm also going to maybe get in a little bit to different, uh, airing formats as we enter kind of this new age of television. Uh, these networks are making different decisions on how to air their content, so, uh, that definitely relates. I'm gonna get into that. Uh, if you couldn't tell already, this is a Dylan Discourse podcast, my fourth or whatever. Um, I'm just I'm just talking solo. It's less of a discussion. It's more of me uh, just talking into my steering wheel as I'm driving from home from work. So that's the sounds you might hear. The audio quality is not optimal, um, but uh, it is hopefully audible. And it looks like I will be stuck in traffic here, so maybe you won't even hear the engine at all because I'll just be sitting here. So you can find out more about us at OverlyAnimated.com. Um, there you can find uh, other podcasts we're doing, including a weekly Steven Universe Roundtable, which I'm pretty excited that we're getting to do. So, uh, hopefully I can talk as I navigate these lane changes in very heavy traffic. Um, so let's get into this, right? Uh, so we've got Nick, we've got Cartoon Eric, and we've got Disney, and each is doing different things, which uh, is annoying their fans. Let's start with Cartoon Network, actually, because that's the one I feel like that's most relevant to uh, me right now, who's, uh, who has a podcast. I made this podcast at, uh, about a, almost a year ago now, and I said, okay, we have two major animated shows kind of uh, anchoring down American animation. We have Steven Universe and we have Gravity Falls, and now a year later, Gravity Falls is over, and Cartoon Network refuses to air episodes of Steven Universe, so, you, you know, it's, it's definitely directly affecting me. Let's talk about that. Um, it's, it's, uh, let's, okay, so here's the facts, first of all. In the past, you know, seven or eight months or so, and again, I don't have, I'm 
just talking to my steering wheel. I don't have um, the list of Wikipedia Steven Universe, uh, uh, Wikipedia list of Steven Universe episodes list up to check the facts on this. It's like in the past seven months, they've aired um, seven episodes of Steven Universe, basically. Um, or something, or like five episodes since they aired. Uh, they went on hi hiatus at the end of October, and then they came back for one week in the beginning of January, and they have since not done anything. So a big component of talking about Cartoon Network is going to get into like whether the Stephen Bomb, quote-unquote, whether airing five episodes in a week is a good airing format. Um, so the first thing about that pops to mind about Steven Universe, and this is, a, this is different than what they've done in the past. In the past, they're more consistently airing the show, but for whatever reason, and I'm not entirely sure, because uh, I don't have all the information, I don't know if they have 20 episodes backlogged right now. Uh, it seems like they don't, but it seems like they at least have a lot, right? Like, they probably have 10 or so that they could just air right now. Um, source, uh, well, at the very least they have some, because we've had leaks from two separate episodes. So at the very least, we know factually that they have two episodes, um, you know, uh, waiting. And all Cartoon Network UK has them, because that's how they leak the clips from them. So, Cartoon Network's just sitting on episodes, and here's the fact. They haven't aired this show, except for one week of the year, the past, let's say, 30 weeks or something. Steven Universe has only been airing new episodes one week. So the first thing that jumps to mind is this is obviously not a good way to build an audience. Um, that being said, the next, the counter-argument to that, and this is really, this is going to be a lot of me saying, okay, here's a claim, here's the, you know, here's the, what goes against that claim, here are the counter-arguments, because none of this is factual. And um, I'm also, while I'm not an expert in this, in this topic, I probably follow it more than most people who you see commenting on it. So, like, I've been following Nick's destruction of Avatar and Korra for years, and I've interacted with them a little bit, uh, and I've, like, it's, it's been fascinating to see which departments, that's when we, that's the preview of the Nick discussion when we get there, uh, which departments of the company, like, value their shows and which don't. So, for Cartoon Network, I don't have as detailed of a knowledge, but, so that first claim, uh, this isn't a good way to build an audience. That being said, with the new Netflix airing format, uh, Netflix just dumps 13 episodes of House of Cards uh, on one day every year, and that show has been building its audience. Um, so I think that a lot of people, including me, get pissed off at Stephen Bombs, especially only doing uh, one Stephen Bomb a, every few months, uh, but there's a clear counter-argument against uh, this being just in an optimal airing format, which is like, this is just a less extreme version of the Netflix model, right? And they're even airing them once a day within that week, so it's not even like they're dumping them all at once. They still have a set airing date. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's complicated. As a fan of the show, first of all, this is infuriating, right? Like, we had five distinct, incredible, plot-relevant episodes. If you space them out once a month out of the past five months instead of once in a week, we would have had, like, it would have been a way more pleasant fan experience. That's first of all, right? Like, you just, you, there could have we could have spent multiple months speculating on what Peridot is going to do between <laughs> message received and, uh, what, I don't know, out of those two episodes, right? Um, so, this is just probably, like, the worst... <laughs> Uh, fan experience right now for Steven Universe. Not knowing when the show's gonna come back, having leaks happen, and when it does come back, have it all happening at once. Uh, this is like, you, 
may, that may fa sound familiar to Korra fans because in between Korra books two and three, this was our life. It was, we don't know when book three is going to air. We having leaks. Now we're going to leak four episodes in Spanish. It's, it was awful. At the very least, when that show came back, they aired it once a week. Even when they moved it online, it was still once a week. Steven Universe, when it comes back, they just throw all the episodes in a week and then they have another period of off time. So I think this is maybe even worse of a fan experience than watching Korra right now. And it wasn't always this way. Now, I wasn't watching, actively watching the show when it was different, but that yeah, was. Last summer, it was, it was, they were airing show episodes more consistently, and before that, they were doing it once a week. For whatever reason, Cartoon Network feels like they should not be airing this show once a week right now. Um, or at the very least, they shouldn't be doing that most of the time. They did it for part of the summer, but then for another part of the summer, they had, uh, which is almost a year ago now, <laughs> like, it's almost been a year since we were in the Barnark, um, and, uh, but for most of the summer, they were just airing them in chunks of five, uh, and having time off, which are related, because if you burn all your episodes, then you're gonna have to take some time off. So, let's talk the Steven Bomb format. I've been talking about this a little bit already, and this is why I said it's gonna relate to airing formats that are happening. Um, airing an episode a day in a week. So, this is not novel to Cartoon Network actually a different network that we're doing this kind of, I feel like originated this. Uh, Nick did this for the Avatar, the last uh, eight episodes of Avatar. Um, Nick burned them in a week. They had, uh, you know, the fir they had the finale, all four of the finale episodes on a Friday, and then the rest once every day that week. Um, and they also did that for other shows, and I think the recurring theme when Nick did do this, and I'm not sure if they do it anymore because uh, I actively tried not to watch Nick, because they just, uh, it's just a horrible viewing experience as a fan. Um, I mean, I have nice things to say about Nick when we get there, but like overall, it's just a terrible, it's, it, it's just, you should just try not to watch Nick shows if possible, because it's just too, it's too horrible. And I kind of feel the same way about Cartoon Network shows right now. Unfortunately, Cartoon Network is like the premier uh, American animation network at this point. Um, Nick's, Nick and Disney both gravitating a lot towards live action. Cartoon Network is um, producing uh, in a higher quantity a lot of the content here. So this, the Steven Bomb format, uh, oh yeah, so Nick did it for, uh, all, Nick did it for running shows off. That's the thing. They did it for, like, the last whatever episodes of, a uh, show. Nick has this thing, and, like, I, I say that I'm probably as informed as you can be without being in the industry or whatever, and I don't even think people in the industry understand. Like, the only, only the decision-making executives at Nickelode Nickelodeon truly understand why Nick like, does not fathom that show's end. That's the thing. And this is, my knowledge of this is based off of five, ten years ago, Nick, right? It's, I, again, I stopped watching Nickelodeon, so it's outdated. Uh, that being said, I've watched Ladybug recently, and that's the main thing I'll talk about when we get to Nick, because that's one of the recent things. But Nickelodeon cannot handle show's ending. Like, they, they, it, it, they run episodes off at the end, and they cancel shows before they uh, naturally would be canceled, uh, just so we don't have to end the show. Like, for whatever reason, Nick actively avoids uh, naturally ending shows at all costs, because they almost always cancel shows before they get to 50 episodes, or 40 episodes, or whatever. This is, like, actually a documented thing. Uh, 
can look at, I don't know, the, that, that's, that website went out of, uh, I'll remember its name. The, by the way, the place you should go to start getting informed on things like this if you want to talk about it instead of just saying uninformed opinions on Tumblr and just not being factual and having people reblog you anyway is go to TV by the numbers and start looking at TV ratings every day and seeing which ratings actually matter. You'll see for broadcast, this is total non-sequitur, but for broadcast television, total viewers do not matter. The 18 to 49 demo is the only thing that matters. And if that's like the first thing you need to know if you want to actually start understanding how TV ratings work. And yes, that's incredibly arbitrary. It's just how it works. Like, it's, TV ratings are inherently arbitrary. They're probably not even accurate. We get Nielsen ratings. They're small sample sizes. They're based on who only has Nielsen boxes. And yes, it's incredibly dumb. It's just how it works. Because how it works, and uh, truck, loud truck now, uh, how it works is it's whatever the networks use to decide whether they keep shows or not, right? It's whatever, and it's whatever the ad, and how do the networks decide? It's whatever the advertisers uh, feel is the most relevant information. So it's, I encourage, and I know it's weird because I'm talking freely, but I don't talk freely lightly. I've kind of studied this type of stuff for a while. Um, don't, I, you can't really just like look at num look at a uh, network behavior TV shows and just say something. It's probably not accurate. Okay. Um, so I don't remember how I started talking about that. So Nick, <laughs> yeah, Nick just can't have shows then. They cancel episodes before, shows before 40 episodes, and then the shows which they absolutely cannot cancel. Like, let's take iCarly and Victorious. Uh, iCarly, uh, it got to the point where Nick usually cancels shows, 40 or 50 episodes, and then it had, like, Nick's best ratings in the history of the network. Uh, I Saved Your Life or something aired on that President's Day, and it got, uh, like, 12, mil 12 million viewers. It's still unfathomable how that episode did that. I uh, got that, like, just the, the craze around iCarly when that aired. Like, that's another time. But, um, so, like, they can't cancel the show, so then they let it go 100 or more episodes or something. And uh, that show, I guess, contradicts because they actually did kind of let it air naturally, right? I don't remember if they actually aired the episodes consistently. I think they probably spaced them out because, again, Nick just can't run off the episodes. So, for Victorious, they just abruptly cancel it at 40 or 50 episodes, and it's like, okay, the show doesn't really end. Um, for Avatar, for probably, I think Danny Phantom, the shows naturally end before, I don't know, if they, I don't know enough about Danny Phantom. Avatar ended around when Nick would cancel it anyway. Um, side note, Avatar The Last Airbender was basically entirely structured for Nickelodeon. Um, a lot of people are like, that show succeeded in spite of Nickelodeon. That show is Nickelodeon because it was made in Nickelodeon Studios, it was specifically developed for Nickelodeon, and it, like, Mike and Brian structured the plot of the show within the realm of episodes that Nick would order. Like, it's like, okay, Nick orders 60 episodes, then three chunks of 20, which is how they order seasons, then um, we're just going to do three seasons. And it's like, it's not that they decided only to do three seasons. They decided in the beginning because they knew that's how Nick behaves, and so we're just going to structure the show like this. It's always, so it's it's like, it can't, uh, it's, it's these... So here's a larger point, because I've just been ranting on something off topic. Um, these, these, uh, networks behave differently than other networks you look at. So they definitely behave differently from broadcast networks, and by these networks I mean Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, and Disney Channel. And I know the least about Disney Channel. Um, I know the most by far about Nickelodeon. They just don't behave like normal networks, and it's a little bit frustrating to, to see why. Now, certainly, 
you would understand why they would care about uh, kids' demos more than other networks would because they're kids' networks in quotes, right? So if the people who are advertising on their channel care more about kids 2 to 11 watching because they want to see their dumb toy products, then then uh, the, net the network's going to care more about younger viewers than older viewers. So when you say something like, uh, Nick didn't know how to handle Quora because it had older viewers, like, yeah, maybe. Older viewers doesn't preclude younger viewers. Um, but yes, Nickelodeon does probably does not care as much about total viewers or about viewers over the age of 15. Maybe it's like 16 because there's like a 12 to 16 demo or something like that than other networks. And of course that's true. Like, the, you know that's true when you make a show for that network. That's how the network operates. So they just operate differently from normal and it kind of has this uh, in, inscrutable, I don't know if that's the right word, behavior. It's, it's hard to know what, how they're functioning because they function different from, differently from everyone else and they don't say how they're functioning. You just have to kind of imply that. So Nick has all these quirks and stuff and Cartoon Network has decided since Nick, getting back on topic, has decided since Nick did that for running off shows, that's how they're going to air most of their shows now. And they kind of, I don't follow this enough to know for sure, right? But they air a lot of their shows in bombs. It's not just Steven Universe, but they also air other shows weekly. Like, I think Adventure Time has been airing weekly recently. Um, and yet, they're going to do weird things when they bring Powerpuff Girls in the fold in April. We'll probably cover the Beating Out show, by the way, on this podcast. Um, they're going to air the first five episodes in a week, and then they're going to air the show weekly after that. Now, that, I feel like, makes more intuitive sense. Um, build up an audience and hype for the show by airing it daily. Build up excitement and then air it weekly. That, I think, makes intuitive sense. But you can't apply that same logic to the way they air Steven Universe at all. Steven Universe, in fact, like, like that behavior implies that Cartoon Network cares about building up an audience and building up excitement. Steven Universe's airing schedule is optimal, the most optimal, the way they've handled Steven Universe recently, outside of Gravity Falls, is the biggest way that I've seen to deflate excitement for a show. The only reason we still care about the show is it's because it's the best show on TV. If it wasn't, then fans would not still be excited about it as much when they air one week of new episodes out of the past 30 weeks. And again, that, now, that number might be a little more or less. But we had the beginning of January, and then since the end of October, we've had nothing. It's crazy. Uh, like, it's, it's just... In, I, I just don't understand because they have inconsistent behavior like this. And I, I can't begin to... I can speculate. I'm speculating a lot here. I can't begin to truly understand their behavior because they won't say... So I'd be interested to know why they're doing this. Um, in large part, I think that they kind of they aired a lot of episodes over last summer, and they've kind of been trying to build back up a store of episodes. Maybe they're not comfortable running new episodes out until um, until like they have a reserve to go on, so they can have sketching behavior. Side note: uh, I've heard that. Foreign Cartoon, foreign Cartoon Networks are going to be airing new episodes in May, so that's like, okay, we've had this with Korra, it's like, okay, U.S. Cartoon Network, now you have until then to, to figure it out, right? So, uh, that's, uh, so you have until then to actually air the new episodes. Okay, let's talk about, um, 
Uh, okay, so that's that's the universe, right? So it's kind of in this weird place where um, it, they're going to air all episodes in a week. We don't really know why, why Cartoon Network's behaving how they are. It's, uh, it's certainly the worst experience as a fan. Um, objectively, I can't analyze it because I don't know why they're doing it, and I don't know if the ratings are... Like, I can see the total viewer numbers that the Universe episodes get, but I don't see the kids' demos, so I don't really know if it's getting the numbers that Cartoon Network desires. They have renewed the show again, so it's obviously getting enough. Also, there's this argument that Cartoon Network doesn't care about ratings, they care about uh, sales. They had this with Young Justice. It's uh, Cartoon Network doesn't care about airing a show. Oh, I could talk about Young Justice for Cartoon Network. They care about um, toy sales, and that's why they pulled and canceled Young Justice. Now, You'll hear stuff like that, and something you should know is that none of it is true. Like, it might be true, but it's not, like, objectively true. People come up with these reasons, and then they, like, it, even if the creator of Young Justice, Wiseman, said that, which I don't remember if he did, if he, even if he said that, that doesn't make it true because he's not the one that made the decision. That could just be him speculating, right? So the only way something is true is if the network itself would say it, which they never do. So there's all these things, and probably none of them are true. So please don't bias yourself. Um, be more skeptical when you're hearing specifically about this topic, also in life, but, you know. Um, so Cartoon Network, yes. We could talk about Young Justice. They pulled it the day of once, um, and then they didn't air it again. Until for several months and then they canceled it later, right? Um, that was a little bit ago. I don't, again, I don't understand their behavior. It's inconsistent. There might have been outside factors there because of the rights issues and stuff like that. So that might be different. So with Steven Universe, it's probably, as far as I can tell, this is an inoptimal way to run a business with this show. But again, I'm not, I don't have all the information and I don't know why they're making their decisions. So let's talk about Nickelodeon. Uh, let's talk about Disney Channel, and then we'll end with the big finale with Nickelodeon. So, I have nothing to say about Disney except talking about Gravity Falls. Um, I don't watch any other shows, and I kind of never have on that channel. So, I can, let's talk about Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls had the most frustrating, like I said before, Steven Universe, everything accepts Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls is the most frustrating airing schedule as a fan um, I've ever seen. Uh, Gravity Falls' schedule was, we'll basically do one episode at most a month, but really, we'll do one new episode every two or three or four months. And that's how they aired the last season of the show. Gravity Falls had 40 or something episodes, but it aired starting in 2011. So the show has just been going on forever and is a very low episode count. Uh, now, this is, how Disney Channel, this is how Disney Channel chose to deal with uh, Gravity Falls' very slow production. Um, so here are the facts. The Gravity Falls finale, the series finale, was not actually finished until very late, until like January, and then it was aired in February of this year. So it's not like it's not like Disney Channel was just sitting on it for a while. Um, it's just production on that slow is very is show is very slow. Um, I think it's interesting how slow it is, especially because Alex Hirsch constantly never stopped working on that show. I think that. Probably, I mean, not probably. They certainly had an inoptimal production. Like, you compare it to Korra. Um, now it's like apples to oranges. Mike and Brian buy Korra books three and four were experienced showrunners. But they 
produced books three and four basically in a normal time for any other show, and it was some of the highest animation quality ever produced, right? So there's obviously a better way to do it. I don't know what their relationship was with the foreign animation studio. Um, just maybe they were understaffed, but I don't know. I think Disney Channel, maybe Disney Channel put enough resources into it and they didn't staff up enough. Who knows? That's something we took it, we took for granted on Cora is that, um, you know, Nick let them hire a ton of people, right? That's, that's that costs a lot of money. That show is expensive. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but, so Disney Channel chose to just basically air an episode every few months, kind of as Alex Hirsch gave them the episodes to a certain extent. Like, I don't know this for sure, but there's an obvious alternative, which is wait until you know when uh, Alex Hirsch will be finishing production on the show. Wait until you know that it's going to take until January 2016. And then, starting in December or in January, air one new episode a week. They chose, to, instead of running out the 20 episodes for the season in a, in a few months, they chose to do it over the span of a few years. Um, it's, it was, I can just say, as someone, I, like, I watched that show from week one, and during season one, it was a pleasant experience, Disney didn't do this, and then it got to season two, and you kind of just stopped being a fan of it, because I just couldn't remember what happened, it'd been two years since uh, the relevant thing happened, and it was only, like, five episodes ago, it was the worst experience, um... I think that this is a case of bad fan experience, not bad business, because Gravity Falls consists... I think Disney handled Gravity Falls decently well. Um, they used the show to anchor coverage into their new, uh, into their new, uh, like, Disney XD channel. They grounded the Disney XD channel in Gravity Falls' ratings, and they consistently got their highest ratings on that channel from Gravity Falls. It's very difficult to say that Disney was inoptimally handling the show from a business perspective. I don't think they were. Um, so, uh, but like, to a, at some point, right, conventional wisdom from running a business would say, even if it's the best experience, even if you make the most money, if you're disenfranchising your customers, that's going to be bad in the long term, especially for a giant corporation like Disney. You don't want to disenfranchise customers, that's more important than short-term revenue. Um, and in this case, I would say, I will not watch a show again on the Disney Channel because of how that show aired. I, I, it's not in some protest of it getting treated badly. It's in protest of it was a terrible experience for me as a fan of the show, so I'm just not going to watch another Disney Channel show like that. Why would I? Why would I put my through, myself through like that again? So I think from that experience, it was from that perspective, it's kind of a bad decision. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. Let's talk about Nickelodeon. So, recently, I feel like I was forgetting something, but that's okay. So, recently, Nickelodeon uh, started uh, airing the dub of Miraculous Ladybug, the English dub. It's a French-Korean show. Uh, Nick got rights to the English dub. Disney Channel, interestingly, has rights for many foreign countries outside of France and Korea, and not the United States. For, um, has, uh, and they, okay, so that show started airing over the course of, uh, it started airing in, like, fall of 2015, and, uh, in, like, France and Korea, and we could go over the weird, I don't know why that's so loud, we go over the 
weird airing schedules in those countries, and they kind of flip-flopped who was airing sh episodes first, but I don't care about... I don't want to analyze those uh, France, France and Korea's channels' <laughs> behaviors. Uh, let's analyze how Nick started airing the dub. So Nick said, okay, um, we're going to wait for a few episodes to build up, and then we're going to start airing this in December, and we're going to air it at noon consistently on Sundays. Um, and they did that, and they did even did it through the holidays uh, at the end of December. They just kept airing it at noon. It was great. It was once a week. It's only night podcast on once a week, and it's uh, it was it was going great. Um, at some point, Nick said, "Okay, I guess noon on Sundays isn't working." I did see ratings a little bit for the show, and they weren't good in in the United States. Uh, again, Nick doesn't care about total viewers, so it's hard to tell whether it was actually good or not. So they moved it to 7 p.m. on Sundays, um, and they did that for like one or two weeks, but let's talk about that move first. This is the classic Nick move. Uh, put a show that obviously has an older audience at uh, noon or 11 a.m. on a weekend, um, get baffled why it's not achieving higher ratings there, and then move it later at night once you realize that the demos are higher for the older demographics. Exactly what happened with Cora. They did it again with Ladybug. Uh, it's like, how do they not learn? Um, Obviously, this is a show that's going to attract an older audience. So, um, Nick, so Nick moved it to seven, and then a few weeks ago they had an episode the week of, and then they just pulled it. Uh, they took it off of their scheduling, and they did not announce it. I had to learn this by looking at you know the TV guide and uh, seeing that it wasn't there, and then going on Twitter, and then seeing that other people were also noticing this. Um, and then I tweeted at Nick, it's like, is this episode going to air tonight? And they did not respond, of course, because why would they try to help their fans? Um, so, Nick, okay. Let's, I mean, briefly, very briefly, I've talked about this a larger extent for what happened with Korra. Um, Legend of Korra, it aired, uh, it aired on, like, Sundays at 11, great season one, incredible ratings, um, then there were production issues, it wasn't Nick's fault, uh, it was Mike and Brian's fault, and, uh, season two got delayed by over a year, and then season two comes on, and I don't even remember, did they move, then they, at some point they moved it to Friday nights, right, was that season two, who knows, it's, it's okay, so, they, they move the show, it's like, they pull the same thing with, that they pulled with Ladybug. They move it from Saturdays at 11 to Fridays at, at 7, and then they moved it to Fridays at 8, and then they moved it to, like, Fridays at 8.30. It was... They actually had, like, three time changes in the course of a month. Um, and then, of course, they... Uh, before season three, it's been a while. We don't really understand why. It seemed like productions were far ahead, and then episodes leak. Uh, Nick scrambles and schedules uh, season three to start premiere, start airing a week after they announce it in June. They start airing it on Friday nights. It's not getting good ratings, right? Then at some point they just pull the show from the air. They don't announce it. <laughs> they leave it to Mike and Brian to discuss at Comic-Con. And then they put it online. Um, it was the biggest mess I've ever seen. On, on, on any any networks dealing with anything. Uh, here's something that's clear. Nick's scheduling department sucks. That's, like, 
it's it's interesting because I've mentioned positive things already about how many candle shows. They pump a ton of money into shows and they just constantly renewed Legend of Korra. That's the thing. They just like very early on renewed that show. They had season one, it did well rating why well ratings wise, and even before it aired, I think they renewed for a second season, which in their eyes was one season, which is dumb, but um and then they expanded it to larger season and larger season order, and then they pumped a ton more resources into it. Season one was a much smaller production staff than the rest of the seasons, and uh, it uh, it did. Uh, you know, it's so the scheduling department has been consistently terrible. Uh, let's talk about it from, just from the scheduling department's perspective, right? So. Uh, here's the thing. So we hate the jostling as fans. We hate the time slot changes and we hate the pulling from the air. But the question is, does this actually hurt them from a business perspective? Is this actually going to decrease ratings consistently on a show? And I, you might say yes, but I would say citation needed. Like it's how do you, how do you actually objectively answer that question? Right? So you can look at shows that have had time slot changes, but would see lowering your ratings. That's the reason they changed the change change the time slot in the first place, right? So that's kind of a dead end. Um, so there's no answer to this. And the theory I think would be that when your primary target audience is young children, they're not going to care as much as older human beings when a show changes. It often seems like Nick only cares about viewers who are just watching their channel. For a long, long while, Nickelodeon was the highest-rated television channel consistently. I don't know if it is anymore. But that's because of their daytime viewings. Kids just turned on Nickelodeon by default and watched it. So it's like, if to a certain extent you have 3 million kids watching your show, your channel, no matter what, then it doesn't really matter if you air a new episode of Korra or you put a Spongebob repeat on it that time, especially when the Spongebob repeats get higher ratings than your new content, right? Um, so it's it's an incredibly frustrating way to think about it, but maybe it doesn't matter from a business perspective. Maybe it actually doesn't matter what your franchised fans think, especially if they're not in your target demo. Um, I think that there's tons of flaws with this logic. I think kids also get pissed off when shows that they're expecting to air don't air. I think this is predicated on the belief that kids don't actually have set shows that they like and that they expect to watch every week. And I think that there's some truth to that, but I don't think that that's a universal truth. I think that kids will have like one or two shows that they specifically watch every week. And other than that, they might just default watch for Spongebob repeats. But it's, I think it's flawed logic. I don't think it's optimal. And I don't think that Nick has been adjusting well to a uh, changing, uh, a changing media platform, right? The interesting thing with Nick in this is that Nick obviously knows that the world is changing and they feel the need to react to that. They pump a lot, they're pumping a lot of resources into their online, into their app. They actively had discussions about whether they should be airing Korra seasons three and four online first, even before it, its ratings plummeted. They thought, maybe we can extract more revenue out of the show if it's airing online. That's where, that's where the fan base is. Nick actively recognized Korra had a large online fan base with its coronation platform. Uh, which was very unique at the time and was like revolutionary and it was a kids network that did that. Nick obviously knows that things are changing, um, but they, they can't, seemingly can't pull the trigger on 
actually majorly changing how their how their platform works. And I think that's in large part due to um, the executives in charge of making these decisions. I think they probably have like you can imagine like there's a few young 30s executives who like know that we maybe should start airing shows online first. We could become like the leader in uh, online content for established networks. Um, and then they just get overridden by, you know, more enfranchised executives. Like, that's total speculation, obviously. But you can imagine something like that happening. And it's just, it was just fascinating during Cora to see how them recognize the incredible potential, the money-making potential they had from the show, which had one of the largest online fan bases in history of television, and them failing to figure out how to utilize it. And only, they only went to an online airing system once everything else failed once they decided they really couldn't get money from it airing on TV anymore. The ratings were awful when it got pulled. It was not their fault. Well, I mean, it's their fault in that, you know, it's, it's, it's their fault in that, uh, they, uh, didn't handle, potentially didn't handle it well, but the ratings were bad, so they pulled it. And, uh, once they did that, they put online, but even when they put online, they didn't fully devote themselves to like a Netflix type experience on Nick.com. They just throw the episodes up at 3am. Like, obviously there's people in Nickelodeon who, who like understand that there's a different way to do things and yet they completely didn't do it. So Nick's just, uh, having seen inside Nick, like during Cora, so intentionally scrutinizing them. And I'm finally out of traffic. I went eight miles in how many ever minutes? This is 40 minutes or something. Um, so now it's going to get sound quality funding it worse. Uh, and just watching all that so intensely from Cora was just uh, fascinating and incredibly frustrating. They're like, you pump millions and millions of dollars into the show, you renew it, and you, yet you don't um, advertise it well. You don't mean manage uh, leaks and you don't um, and you don't just uh, schedule it properly so a lot of these faults I would say are in the scheduling department specifically because let's make and let's kind of close on this well okay I'll say this and I'll close on a different point but um, here's I think the main takeaway right uh, all every every uh, show I've talked about I've talked about Steven Universe Gravity Falls Legend of Korra even Young Justice these are all shows which were treated properly in production, obviously, because they were got to a point where we loved them so much. Like, I don't think Korra was great in spite of Nick. I think Korra was great in large part because of how Nickelodeon Animation Studios handled that show. I think they're great at fostering shows. Nick is great at fostering talent. Cartoon Network is great, too. And uh, these networks are put a lot of faith into their content producers and they produce great content and they foster them well and they just give them all the upper available resources and tons of money and uh, like if this wasn't true we wouldn't be seeing such a high increase in quality from American animation we're at we're absolutely at a zenith of American animation quality for television absolutely it was not this good before we had way too we had tons of kid oriented things we're getting way more universally oriented stuff and it's 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 wonderful so when you think of like nick is terrible i think you're large part just thinking of their scheduling department right um which might not be like an actual thing it's part of something else but that that department it's like the way i like to think of it is 
Nickelodeon Animation Studios are in Burbank, California, but Nick Corporate is in uh, New York, and Nick Corporate were the ones that were making the decisions that were hurting uh, Cora. Nick in Burbank was wonderful, and that's where the show was created. Um, but it's not that simple because the people that the executives that greenlighted Cora in the first place were based in New York, obviously, because they're executives. So. Uh, it, it's it's not even as simple as that. It's like different departments within corporate. Uh, I, I think that in large part the scheduling difficulties and related maybe promotional difficulties and stuff like that are because they view these materials as aimed for kids. Um, but it's also not that simple because these, these 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 shows are aimed at kids. Like I said, Nick actually does care about the kids' demo more than any other demo. Probably because we don't really know how they function. But that's kind of the thing. This is this almost comes with the territory and having your animation-only networks be exclusively aimed at children. And that's really the core of the problem, is that these aren't functioning like normal networks. If you wanted to do have a network that didn't do anything like Nick, Cartoon Network, and uh, Disney Channel do, then you need to have it just not be a kids-oriented network. You could have a uh, non-kids-oriented adult, or not adult, just animation-centric network, and then you would be able to not have these type of difficulties because it's universal, right? So to a certain extent, the root of the problem has to be the fact that these are just, like, these three networks consistently are screwing things up, and it's from a fan perspective. And the commonality is that they're kids-oriented animation networks. So I think it's the kids-oriented that's a problem. I also think, to a certain extent, their behavior is societal and that this is like, this is the way you need to, uh, like they have preconceived notions about how you should market things at kids and maybe they're wrong with those notions. So maybe once the executives are replaced, they'll do something differently even though it's a, um, even though it's a kids network. And let's end on the note that maybe the net kid, <laughs> this is a really, t this is a topic I shouldn't be discussing, but um, let's end on the note that, uh, because I have no knowledge of it, but uh, Nick's executives might be changing. There is a power struggle about to happen at Viacom. Uh, I would recommend, I read an article in the New York Times about the daughter of the current, uh, of like the CEO or the, um, the guy who put together Viacom, one of the largest media corporations in the world. If you're not familiar, Viacom owns Nickelodeon, it owns MTV, and it formerly owned CBS. It kind of still does. They splintered off into two separate entities, I think, but they all were originally one thing. And uh, he is dying soon, and it was about his daughter uh, who's trying to seize control. Uh, there's like a trust set up, and she's a voting member of the trust, and it's like, will she be able to to take over from the current executives who are trying to maintain their power. It, it's, it's, uh, the article is, uh, interesting and it's gonna be interesting situations, but I feel like the practical element of it is that, um, and I, I, I don't know, what do you, would you Google to find this New York Times, Viacom, founder, something like that, right? I don't remember the family's name exactly. And, uh, it, it's possible that, uh, Viacom's executives change, which might prompt a, uh, you know, uh, uh, a shake-up in how business is done. Now, that being said, I think one of the most likely scenarios, if we change executives, is that uh, they blow up Nickelodeon. Like, I actually think this is very possible. I think Nickelodeon is probably not making money, that, that much money right now. It's purely speculation on my point, but, part, but they've had plummeting ratings, 
Um, there's been signs that they're not as clearly not as profitable anymore. All networks aren't as profitable. Cable networks in general have been able to avoid that to a certain extent, and um, it's uh, it's possible they just blow Nickelodeon up, like they just end it, or uh, like I, I could see that happening. Like, why is it worth the wait? Um, why is it worth uh, the effort that they put into it? So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, it's an in, in conclusion, it's an ingrained cultural thing, like how they should be. Uh, marketing towards kids, and uh, it maybe would take new leadership, but also maybe it would just take a a non children's uh, oriented animation network. And I think you see this from uh, Japan, which which uh, which markets their animation not at children. For some, they do have children's marketed animation, but they also have tons and tons of adult uh, marketed animation, and it's uh, aired consistently and. It's, there's tons of money in it and it's beautiful, right? So maybe that's the solution. And I think that's what I would say is probably the solution. I think it's just a problem of that being kids' networks. Okay. Um, I think, I mean, I could talk more about, like, whether Nick should just start putting content up online. I don't know. I talked. I think I talked enough about that. I, I'm a fan of the traditional weekly airing system because... Uh, I think it's best for shows you're a fan of, probably. The next best thing would just be a Netflix model, and I think the worst scenario is what Cartoon Network's doing with, uh, with Steven Universe, like, uh, well, followed by, uh, what, what Disney Channel did with, uh, Guardian Falls. Um, let me know if you agree with that, what you think, what you think of anything I said. Um, again, I would say it's not necessarily something to disagree with me about, if you're not super knowledgeable, not saying I'm infallible about this, but this is kind of, a lot of what I talked about is not, it's not intuitive, it just requires a specific knowledge of how things work, so, and I, I'm not saying I have that, but I probably have it more than a lot of people are coming to um, Okay, I'm Dylan Eisen, overlyanimated.com is where you can find out more about this podcast. I've written a few articles on this, actually, you can check out at overlyanimated.com slash blog, um, blogs, blog, I should probably know that. Who uh, I wrote uh, about each network and their failings in much shorter depth, and I wrote about how uh, Cartoon Network, why Stephen Bomb is the worst airing format for uh, Steven Universe. So you can check those two articles out at overlyanimate.com/blog. Uh, if you if you want uh, to support our ad-free podcasts, our only revenue sources through Patreon. You can do so at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. There's also a link at overlyanimated.com if you click on Patreon at the top. Um, thank you very much to our current patrons. There have been two more recently, so let me see if I remember these off the top of my head. Shana, Mitch, Cordell, Beatrice, Nate, Andy, Jamie, Mitch, I don't know if I said Mitch, uh, Rachel, uh, John, Ryan, yes, good, aka Hey Nuffy for Mitch, Gordon for CBH Exchange, Buzz Like Your Mailman. Rachel Rose. Uh, I don't remember what we said John's nickname was. Um, and then we haven't decided on a file. Ryan nickname. Uh, Konitsko guy, I feel like Jeff said it was something like that. I think it needs to be shorter. Anyway, we'll work on that. So, uh, patreon.com slash overlyanimated, our only revenue source. That's how you would support us. Thank you for listening. Let me know your feedback, YouTube comments. Uh, send me an ask on Tom, but you can comment on the article. Um, or you can, uh, yeah, or you can email us or anything like that, right? So let me know what you think, uh, and I will.
will see you guys next time, Friday, for another Steven Universe round table. Bye.